With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm also Brendan. All right. New take with the with your intro today, huh, yep, Taylor? I'm you now. Okay. I'm also 6'3". All the wrong opinions then on this episode. Yep. This will be good. Terrible. Uh, actually, well, speaking of having opinions that are, well, I, they're not going to be wrong. They're going to be good opinions. We yeah. have a guest today, and we are very excited to welcome him. The first time uh, coming on Blue and Gold Make, Darlene. He is a contributor for the Charging Buffalo, a very awesome local online publication that covers all things sabers we are very excited to join to the uh join to the podcast billy welzer billy welcome thank you thank you yeah uh, you might be right about those wrong wrong opinions but uh we'll see we'll see as the uh, we're sabers fans we're, we're used to it it's all good you should uh all be sure to go follow bill on twitter at bill tcb uh bill once again thank you for coming on we're very excited to to have you here uh obviously given the state of the team the fans the organization everything there's certainly a lot to talk about and none of it's good so uh the big news from over this past weekend uh as you all may have heard there was a fan protest outside of KeyBank center on saturday afternoon uh not exactly a great turnout uh it seemed that there was a lot of media attention drawn to it though um but the turnout itself not really that great certainly not a reflection of the amount of fans who are upset uh with the pabulas with the sabers but i I guess people just kind of had better things to do i don't know really what to say about it would you go to just to start off the general question for the group would you guys go to a sabers fan protest bill you Uh, go first yeah i I probably wouldn't. I mean, I live in Rochester anyway, so I'm definitely not going to a protest in Buffalo. Um, but I, I probably wouldn't um, just because it's, it's one of those things where I came out yesterday and said, you know, this is kind of embarrassing because it's – and it's not for the people that went to the protest. It's more just a reflection on the Sabres fan base in general um, because, you know, we're, we're out there. You know, people are frustrated enough to go, you know, down to the arena and, and have some kind of protest. So what, like you said, it wasn't a great turnout, but for the people that went like, that's good for you. You've done more than me because I just sit on Twitter and, and yell at them. But do you really think ownership's going to listen? Like after, after all the things that have come out, like that was the one thing that was going to ownership out and, and become accountable and, and make statements. It, that's kind of my perception of it is like, it's sad. It's gotten to this point. Um, you know, if you went there, good for you. Um, you know, that's, you, you obviously care about the Sabres a lot and, and, you know, no one can hold that against you, but it, it was just embarrassing to me. The optics of it just great. You know, you had, and I have nothing against, um, I believe his name's like maniac or, or whatever. Um, you know, he was saying there were hundreds of people oh, yeah. out there and there just, there just wasn't, um, was it was just really? unfortunately turnout, you know? 
Yeah, uh, I, I think in, in theory, I could go to a Sabres protest. The thing with right now is when, you, when you're protesting, you have to have something like a demand of some kind. And there really isn't one right now. It's the, the general um, idea based on the signs I saw there and stuff is for the Pagulas to just care more, I guess, which isn't an easy demand to make. And there's no real way to prove that they're paying attention or caring or whatever. Sure. But there's no real like call to action. It's not like, I don't think we're all united on the fire Botrell thing, at least yet. Uh, and I don't think the Pagulas aren't putting enough money into the team or paying or like, there's a lot of things they're doing wrong, obviously, uh, with regard to the state of the arena and the state of their game day presentation, their 50th anniversary, all that stuff. But they are an ownership group that cares to an extent. Now, it seems like they care less than they did before because of how bad things are going and how seemingly into the NFL they are now in the Bills. But they're not like a an ownership group that it's like, man, this is – I guess like Tom Golisano would be a good example at the end there. People wanted him to sell the team because he very clearly didn't care. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Ralph when he just straight up wouldn't spend money back in the day. But the Pagulas aren't really at that level. Oh, I'm not trying to say anything nice about them, but they really don't rise to the level. This of like just in everybody. Owners. Taylor loves the Pagulas. Oh, yeah. oh my God. The dog, <laughs> the Kim Pagula, the stupid dad, what's his name? <laughs> Uh, oh boy but like i just feel like there's there was no like demand with the protest like what exactly people want it's kind yeah, of there was my the funniest thing i saw on twitter was um someone posted the picture of you know one of the the news people put out a picture and someone zoomed in and, and someone was standing there with like a bag from the saber store right. and just like like owning the pagulas by you know buying merchandise at their at their arena so yeah well, i thought that was pretty funny like i think says fuck you like buying money from some buying uh merch off of somebody you know yeah, exactly and like i get it i i understand people have gotten to the point where they actually do want to protest but i mean a little bit more organized or or just like a bigger turnout would have would have made, uh, made a difference i mean they could barely you know wrap themselves around the you know the statue that was out there and so um, like again, like I'm really not going at the people that actually showed up, but I'm just saying it, it, it just like the optics of it. If I was a fan of like the Maple Leafs, I'm kind of laughing at us, you know, Big that time. it's gotten to that point, not only, you know, not only for the fans, it's gotten to that point with the, the organization. Well, and again, like, is that really going to bring the Pagulas out? No, because like we've, we've seen time and time again, they've been called out. They've been called out on, you know, you have Elliot Friedman coming out. Then you have, you know, Dwayne going off and, they still just haven't done anything. I don't think like a 30 person protest is, is going to do much. And they're signed to say, where's Terry and, and other things, you know, we're tired of suffering. And it's just, like you said, there really wasn't a clear message. Like you need to come out and, and make a statement or you need to come out, you know, I don't know, before a game and address the, the, the fans that are in the arena. I don't know what the solution is, but they're like Taylor said, there wasn't, you know, much of a, a plan there. Just go out there and just kind of air out your gripes. So the question that I had too, first of all, before I get to my greater point, but do we know who was the person who organized this and put this together? I know it wasn't Dwayne because he didn't even go. I, you know what? I don't know who it was. And like, look, if if you want to organize a protest, like you, you have that right. And I, I, I understand it because we're all true, but it's just, you know, if you're going to do something, make it profound and 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 my thoughts you know get a lot of people out there so they cannot ignore it that's i think 30 people in the in the you know the plaza is pretty easy to ignore right yeah i think think the clearest message of the protest was that there's a lot of apathy and people won't even show up for this like fans like people fans really 
and that's that's one of the most damning things about this season is people seem to not care people that do care are constantly screaming at each other on twitter out in the streets but a lot of people just don't care like that's it i'm not going to games anymore i'm selling my tickets i'm not doing my seasons like they don't care enough to show up to a protest which i guess kind of includes me i mean i was busy but yeah i think the other thing for me too kind of going back to my question before about who organized it is that i think that it'd be a different thing if it was somebody who was maybe like a well-entrenched personality on Sabres Twitter or something, somebody with a big reach. Whereas with this, it kind of had the optics of it seemed like just like a bunch of fans. Somebody came up with the idea and a bunch of people were like, yeah, I'll go to that. And by a bunch, I obviously mean like 30 or whatever. But like if there was somebody that I guess like had more of a stake in Sabres Twitter and who maybe was more of a a voice that people look to with like a bigger following, then maybe you might have saw something a little bit different because probably it would have been a little bit more organized if that was the case too. There was like a Facebook event, I think. I'm not sure. I didn't know too much about it. I don't know who organized it. And, um, you know, just for like the optics If it was from Facebook, I could just say that those Facebook groups are just a a cesspool of bad takes. So, like, I've avoided at all. The Sabres, Mafia, and shit like that. There's some obviously smart things, but I've been in those, those message boards, and good Lord, they are just. Why do we need to? Why should we trade Jack Eichel? Let's hear some offers. Let's entertain it, like shit, like that. And it's just uh, like the people who the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know the the, cream the You there. know that's he's not the problem at all. So let's start focusing on him because yeah, why not? You know we've no. already we've already beaten the dead horse of all the issues that have come up. So now let's start moving on to yeah. I think Darlene is is tradable. No, he's not. <laughs> you know, and, and Jack Eichel. You know, let's see what kind of assets we can get back for him. Let's well, not. Yeah, I mean, he's. Not. He's already proven that his contract is is worth it now, and so those are two people, like two pieces that you just cannot move from. Anyone that you know even brings that up is just discredited in my my mind immediately. Hey man, if there's one thing we know about Jason Botterill, it's that he's really good at maximizing returns on good players. So Yikes. clearly, yeah. So, I mean, Bill, let's uh let's get into the team itself a little bit. Uh, get away from the fans here. I mean, obviously things have been extremely disappointing. Um, rock bottom has just it, it just never seems to show up because every time we think that we get there, a new low happens. Uh, most recently, I know we're we're coming off a win at this point, and by the time that people listen to this, uh, the Anaheim game will have already had happened, but. Uh, most recently, we had lost to the Red Wings, who are, historically speaking, um, it, one of the, if not the worst team in NHL history, worse than the Tank uh, tank era Sabres teams, really not great. Um, they have just not been able to string together wins consecutively in any way. Uh, seemingly, everybody who's not named Eichler, Reinhardt, can't score a goal. Um, things have just not been good. So I'm just curious, I guess, in general, your overall take on where the team is at right now as we're, you know, a month out from the trade deadline and, you know, with only a couple months left in the regular season. I mean, I, I think it's over. Even even if they go on an impressive run, which, I mean, I think we would all love to see just because we want to watch, like, exciting hockey for once. But I, I it, even at this point, if you make the playoffs, I mean, who's – but I think they're done in four games, even if by some miracle they make the playoffs, which I'm pretty sure they're they're around one percent make it. They're at least double the the chances of winning the draft lottery than they are to make the playoffs. And you know they're they're trying to catch teams like Toronto and Florida and a bunch of other teams in the Metropolitan Division that are holding on to those wild card spots. I just 
I, I just don't see it. I, I really don't. We have seen a little bit, you know, Evan Rodriguez got a goal. Jimmy Vesey's got a couple goals, but it really is only Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. I mean, if you think about it, and, and this is actually a stat uh, I think Greg Voorhees put out, is the Sabres are 13-3-2 when Jack Eichel has multiple points, and then they're 11-20-6, excuse me, when he doesn't have multiple points. So, like, find me a player in the NHL that doesn't mean more to their team than Jack Eichel. Like, he's, he literally is the Buffalo Sabres. It's, it's gotten to the point where you just want to see some semblance of, of people that could return next year. Like, personally for me, I think Curtis Lazar could come back next year. But everyone besides Jack, Sam, I mean, we're going to be stuck with Skinner. Um, I think he's had a, you know, a tough year, but he's around. You have Darlene, Yoki, Haru. I guess Walmart, but everyone else is, is pretty much expendable. So you're talking about the trade deadline at this point. I mean, you, you put everyone out there besides those four or five players I mentioned in in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would completely agree with that. I think one of the biggest criticisms that you could have of Jason Botterill, and it's something that we most definitely have spoken about at length is just the fact that you, with the exception of maybe one or two players brought back the entire team from last year um a, a team that clearly was not up to the task of making it to the playoffs now you know to your point before about if they actually were to get there if they were to get swept to be honest i would be if they get there and they get swept i'd be thrilled because yeah i mean they got there and that means they went on a great run and that's giving right. experience for eichel Darling for those guys in the playoffs that can't be understated like of course we all want them to make the but if they do, they're going to get smoked. Oh, yeah. Like, and to be honest, I mean, that's not going to happen anyway, so I don't know. Yeah, so, like, there's – it's not really – you know, that's just kind of, like, wishful thinking. But, yeah, I, at this point, it's just – I you know, I remember you guys talking on your last episode basically trying to hold off Ottawa, but, like, you're trying to hold off teams like New Jersey that are coming up on you. And, and you know, how bad you've the beaten so them twice. <laughs> you're six yeah. points up on them. You, you drop a game against Anaheim and, and New Jersey finds, you know, a couple wins here and there. I mean, they're, they're right up on your tail. And it's just like, guys, what's what's going on here? I mean, yes, you're, you're behind teams like Chicago, Minnesota. I mean, Nashville's not even playing all that well. It's just it's just a tough look. I mean, you just feel like you're we're stuck. Because do, do we really think next year is going to be this gigantic leap? I just I, – I don't see it. And I'm yeah, trying to – Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. No, and so – and to your point, too, there about what the standings and everything, it's pretty funny because on Friday when I was at work, I was just – you know, wanted to make myself even more sad than I already was. And I decided to look up the standings. And to be honest, we are absolutely trending towards another bottom five finish. Um, Looking at the teams behind us, I mean, I know you mentioned New Jersey there. They're only six points back. But, I mean, San Jose, they're starting to string together some wins. Aaron Dell has given them the tiniest bit of stability and goal. And they seemingly have been putting together uh, some decent games as of late. Obviously, with Hurdle going down, that's tough. But I fully expect that they'll pass us. They're only four points back. Anaheim, I mean, John Gibson. They're playing today, right? They are playing each other today, so that'll be interesting. Ryan Miller is, is, is starting in that, so that'll be fun. But, I mean, you Ooh. know, know RIP, man. Uh, you know, Anaheim, I fully expect them that they could pass us. Um, uh, you admit, I think they I can. Know. If Gibson goes on a hot streak, if he's a, I mean, that's a world-class goalie there. He's been having a little bit of a down year this year considering, you know, the team in front of him, but he could steal games for them lately. He has been doing that. Um, New Jersey. I mean, would you put, I, I don't know, I guess like with the exception of maybe like Ottawa, Los Angeles and Detroit, like 
any other team, if you told me that they had passed the Sabres by the end of the year, I would not be surprised. I would be shocked if New Jersey passed the Sabres. Really? I would be, too. I mean, their goaltending situation is just a, a complete nightmare. But, I mean, it. Like, I don't think they'll pass them. But the fact that we're six points in February, we're six points away from them is just – that's just a rough look. Horrible. There's no way to, to – it's a big yikes. Yeah, that there's no there's no other way to, to look at these standings and, and get some kind of positive spin. I saw people saying, like, you know, they can do blank, blank, and blank to make the playoffs or, or finish strong. And it's like, at this point, you might as well just stand pat to, really, you know, increase your chances of getting, you know, Lafreniere or at least getting Quentin Byfield. At this point, I'm not advocating any kind of tank, but, I mean, they're kind of doing it to themselves anyway. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, I, we're not – quite there yet for you know full-fledged talking about it but the top of the drafts you know for this upcoming draft is pretty good I guess that's really the case every year that we find it's like oh there's a good guys at the top of the draft this year you never know yeah and it's it's a it's a tired talking point in February we don't want to be talking about that we want to be talking about some kind of playoff push or anything like that but it's it's gotten to that point and and you're probably going to see over the next couple weeks people talking about it more and more just because that's where we need to put our focus to unfortunately because, I mean, there's a lot of excitement around the draft, but that's pretty much the only excitement we've been getting for years and years now. Yeah, I absolutely refuse to get excited about a draft. No. Ever again. I can't. It's Not tough. Again. I've been hurt too many times. Uh, so, Billy, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess, given everything that you've said here, and, of course, you know, we, we both uh, interact with you on Twitter a bit, but just, you know, and to talk it out a little bit here, general thoughts. I mean, Jason Botterill, should he stay? Should he go end of the season right now, five minutes from now? What do you think? Uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't necessarily trust him this summer. Um, I just don't, I don't know what he has planned. I don't know. Looking at some of it, I don't know how good the, the free agency market is. And that's not really how you build your team anyway. It's usually through the draft and trades. Um, I mean, you, you've wasted an entire season by only trading one defenseman um, where I think it's pretty clear to a lot of us who had the opportunity to trade at least one of them this past summer for, for some help. And it's gotten to the point where I, I don't know if you fired him now, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what would, would change or, or how it would improve. Obviously he would be gone, but I think by the end of the year, if, you know, if he doesn't completely sell you on, on, you know, what his plans are, you got to just, you know, pull the trigger. I, I think the Pagoulas have gotten themselves into a position where they've been convinced by people. They'll sit down and talk to them, and that person will convince them of whatever. That's kind of how I think Rex Ryan got, you know, you know his, his start for the Bills, and that's a completely different sport. But I, I am worried that, you know, he could potentially really ruin this, this offseason or, or even go too cautiously. I mean, he, he really needs to hit the nail on the head this offseason. I don't know if I really want to give him that chance. And it's like you guys were saying in, in your last episode again, um, I mean, you're three years in and, and you're not doing any better. I, I, it's tough. It's really tough to – it's a tough position because you want to keep someone around for more than three years. You want them to be able to build. It, it takes a while for these, these guys to mature and, and their draft picks and, and their vision to come through. I, I just don't see it right now. I mean, we have a depleted forward depth pool. I mean, besides Dylan Cousins, you're really looking towards like – our two roots aligning and the tape, a car like that, that just doesn't light me up, man. Like it's, it's tough. You have the young talent, you have Yoki Haru, Darlene, Eichel, Reinhardt. So like, yeah, I understand you might not have the best prospect pool outside of the NHL, 
but I mean, we're wasting years of contracts. We're wasting, and especially cheap contracts. You have Darlene so cheap. You have, you have Eichel for the 10 million, but like everyone else is talking about at what point does he say he's done? I mean, it's just a dumpster fire from, from the top down and cleaning house. I, I'm not exactly sure what happens with, with Ralph Kruger when Jason, or excuse me, if Jason Botterill gets fired, do, I, does the other GM that comes in want to keep him? Now you have a carousel, a coach that was only here for a year. Does he get promoted to, to some, you know, front office position? I just, I don't know how everything plays out. So I want Botterill gone. Yes, I do. Because I, I think he's made some very costly mistakes, but I'm not confident that they'll, they'll hire the right people to replace them. I'm not confident that their the vision that would be coming in would be exactly what this team needs. I mean, there's, there's a lot more issues when it comes to the, the front office. And I think most people are, are realizing because they, they have passed up on, you know, plenty of opportunities to, to improve this team. We all know we've talked about it plenty, but it's, it's, it's glaring. I mean, we have national media coming out and saying, this is a, a significant issue down there in Buffalo. And they're, they're getting to the point where they don't even know what to say. They just feel bad for the fans and, and, I do too. I mean, I'm a fan as well, but I feel bad for everyone that, that spends their hard-earned money going to those Sabres games because I'm not going all the time, obviously, because I don't live in Buffalo. But what, like, what are we doing here, people? I feel like we're just we're our tires are in the mud and we're just spinning them. So that, I, I know I kind of took that off and, and kind of ran with it, but yeah, I think Botterill has to go. But are, are we totally confident that things improve if he's gone? I, I mean, I, some people are so rock bottom saying, yeah, of course, well, because we can't get any worse than this, but. I don't necessarily trust the Pagulas to you know, hire the right people at this point because I, I think we've seen that they haven't. Right. Personnel issues have definitely been an issue for them, one of the a, a glaring issue. And, you know, to your point before, I, I, I completely agree. Like, longevity in sports, you know, in terms of a front office and, you know, the relationship between a front office, a GM, and a coach is very important. Um, you know, it's something that you want to have. You don't want to be going through this cycle, you know, every two to three years where you have to bring in a new GM and a new coach. But at the end of the day, my mindset on it is if you can see that somebody is not cut out for the job, no matter how long they're there, they, they have to go. I think Phil Housley is a perfect example of that. You know, when he was hired, I think a lot of us were very optimistic and very excited. You know, he was a, a, a leading up and coming coaching candidate. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was only here for, for a couple of years, but by the end, everybody pretty definitively could look at it and say, you know, this guy is not, not cut out for this right now. Um, that's not to say that maybe down the line, Jason Botterill might, you know, get another opportunity or something like that. Uh, you know, as a GM with another organization, but it just, it appears that right now with how he's handled this team how there really doesn't seem to be any clear kind of plan for this team moving forward. Um, the mismanagement, the lack of moves, whatever, whatever you want to point to, he's, he's just not, not cut out for the job. And didn't, didn't, uh, I, if I'm wrong, please, you know, correct me, but didn't Tim Murray essentially get canned for not making moves in the, what the 2016, 2017 season? That, you know, there, there are obviously other issues, but he pretty much stood pat, and the only person he traded was, like, Dan Catanacci, right? Right. Like, I, I'm not missing anything there. I, I just – it's kind of the same thing. Like, you essentially traded Marco Scandella for, for Michael Froelich and took on more money. So, like, you're 
you have 56 points. You you are in the bottom uh, fifth of the league, and you have the black. third highest payroll. What like? How do you it's fix absurd. that? It's, it's absurd. It's, yeah. It, it's an it, amazing and, example of mediocrity. <laughs> and exactly, everyone's excited about this this money coming off the books this summer. But what I, we don't know the plans. They're not going to come out and tell us their plans. But I'm just not confident that whatever plan they come up with is really going to to take the Sabers to that next step. Where like next year, at this time, we're talking about okay, here are our possible playoff matchups. I think next year maybe they're scraping at the at the wild card because I mean they have to essentially tear down this roster it, it, at this point, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. We talked about it earlier. Who, who are you really like dead set on keeping? Eichel and Darlene and, and Reinhardt, unless you get like a great offer, Reinhardt, it's, it's Eichel and Darlene, you know, Reinhardt, Yoki, how are you? And maybe someone else that, you know, people, Olofsson, I guess, you know, that, that people would like to hang on to, but I mean, you, I, I think there's some kind of teardown coming, some kind of big move. And, you know, what happens if they get fleeced again? I mean, that's, that's worst-case scenario is if they try to fix something and they get fleeced. And I'm sure that's what Jason Botterill is worried about. But like you guys said last week, you know, you have to go out and find a team that undervalues their talent that could seriously help you and overvalues yours. And I'm sure there are GMs out there that will do that. Right. Because there, there are bad GMs out there that, that will make a move out of some kind of desperation. I understand – you know, the trade value or the trade market really isn't there all that much. But you, you've had since the summer. I mean, we were all – I can't speak for you guys, but I was clamoring for trades this summer to really try to change yeah. oh, things. That's literally every podcast for the first half of the year we talked yeah. about the wrist aligning trade that never came to yeah. fruition. Like right. the idea that the entire summer, uh, like he was going to – not even the summer, but starting with like last April when the season ended. And now we're almost to another April, and there's no movement on that front. That's what's so – Like cool. we're – we were all expecting Ristolina to not be on this team, right? No, I was under the assumption. I was like, yeah, Ristolina is gone. He's here. What do, I, I, I don't get it. And the thing is, too, that's the craziest part of it all is that, you know, over the summer, for everybody wanted him moved because it seemed like he was the piece that had the most value. But at the same time, though, a lot of people were like, well, he hasn't been very good, so his value is probably pretty low. At, in the first quarter of this season – you had an opportunity where his value was probably the highest that it has been in a pretty considerable amount of time and just still nothing, nothing, to, nothing to show for it. I, and I don't really want to hear about the first 15, 20 games GMs don't make moves because they really want to field out. It's just like, man, like I understand you don't want to come from a place of desperation. You, you've got to make a move. You have, you, to. you have to, you have to do it. Like, I understand you. if you get fleeced, you're going to get wrecked worse than if you didn't make a trade at all. But, you, I mean, that you're, you're trying to save your job at that point. You, you have to make a move, especially for a guy that's asked to be moved. You pretty much, I, from, from reports, you pretty much were about to get rid of him. And then he's still here. Like, it's just, I, I can't imagine how he feels. He probably thought he was gone too. Mm-hmm. Right? He was yeah. like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. And. I just feel bad for a lot of these players because, and this is kind of going off on a, on a little bit of a tangent. I understand, you know, we do kind of harp on a lot of these players, especially when they don't play well. And look, you're making millions of dollars. And, um, you know, we, you know, it's, it's easy for us to, to say these, these guys all work extremely hard. You know, this is their, their livelihood. They've been playing hockey their entire lives just to make the NHL. 
just imagine being a player on this team and consistently like a guy like Gergensen's or, or guys that have been around here for a while. They have, they've just, ne- they haven't experienced winning. It's just, I feel bad for them. Like I understand they're the ones that are out there producing, but like at some point it's the players are who they are and it's the GM's job to get the better players into positions where your coach can finally, you know, mesh it all together. And it's just none of that's been happening. Guys are, are considerably worse when they come to Buffalo. It's just it, the, the, the culture hasn't changed at all. And I, I think after every single year, we've been hearing Botterill come out saying, you know, they're, they're, we haven't won. We need to change the culture. Then you bring everyone back. You, you, you don't trade Ristolainen. The only move you've really made for the – like your NHL team – was getting rid of Alex Nylander, who wasn't on your team anyway, to bring in Yoki Haru. You got Colin Miller, who was sat for forever. And then Marco Scandella, and you bring in Michael Furlick. It's just, what are we doing here, folks? Sucks. Don't like it. <laughs> uh, my, my brother, who you both know, used to have NHL 2006. Great game. And great. It was one of the better ones. And Jason Bottrell is still in the Sabres at that point. And he was kind of, it was kind of a weird in-between time because there's no season to base it on because there was no season in 05. So wow, they was basing pretty, it on a yeah. pre-lockout type thing, and they didn't know what the roster would look like. And so Botrell was still in the Sabres, and my brother changed his name to Buttface Penis. <laughs> Very mature. Very good. And there we also, go. like, they would have to be, like, the announcers would say it, and it was, it was very funny. Peak middle <laughs> oh. school humor. But honestly, in hindsight, it was incredibly deserved. Yeah. I mean, it's just well said. And I, I, I think, you know, I think we've – at least some of us still have faith in – had faith, excuse me, had faith in Botterill. We were still holding out hope and saying, you know what, he's, he's just, you know, he's playing his cards right. He's, he's really keeping them, you know, close to his chest. And now it's just gotten to the point where I, I think other teams just know we're desperate and they're just not going to trade with them unless they, they know that they're going to win it. Because, I mean, no team's just going to help out Buffalo just to help Buffalo. That's why everyone was getting so mad that everyone was just helping – the, the Maple Leafs, like, what, why, why are we trying to help other teams that we could, you know, they're our competition. And, right. and so teams aren't looking to, to help out the Buffalo Sabres. You know, you have to go out there and, and find those things. And now you're dealing from a place of desperation, and you have been, because, I mean, it's everyone knows what other fan bases are thinking if, you know, do a little searching, and that's, that's pretty much it. It's just, it's very, it's very disheartening to, to think that, you know, three years ago, I was like, yeah, the 2019-2020 season will definitely be in the playoffs, and we're not even sniffing that. Uh, yeah, and, 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 we, and we might not for another couple of years. That's, I'm just putting that out there right now, and I'm not trying thanks, to hot Bill. take it. Thanks, man. But couple, so dude, I'm saying it. In like three years, I'm hoping to make this, the playoffs at this point because it's, it's ugly, man. We've been saying three years for the past ten years, man. I'm exactly. so over it and sick of it, and I, ugh, I, I – I don't even know what to Mine say. and Bill's floor hockey team played playoff games more recently than the Sabres. And honestly, I think we were more You're energetic. damn right. Yeah, we wow. had, we damn right game. we did. Let's go St. Bonaventure intramural floor hockey. That's right. I've Nothing heard like- very amazing stories about this team. Pretty much like you guys were, you know, the floor hockey, St. Bonaventure equivalent of like the Miracle on Ice team. Pretty, Pretty much. Yeah. Well, our, our goalie was about 6'7", so that definitely helps. Oh, that'll do you Yeah, good, that's good. Man. Intimidation. You always yeah, was, see that. Yeah, especially when he walked in, you see him going in, you're just like, there's no chance I'm scoring on him. But, yeah, no, we uh, – I genuinely think we, we played better as a team um, 
you know, than some of these games that you watch the Sabres. Seriously, like some of them, well, Michael Froelich, his one goal, it's an empty netter, kind of out there to skate up and down the ice. Like he didn't, he doesn't really do much. Like there's other players like Connor Sheary supposed to be your spark plug. That's your spark plug just getting in on the forecheck and, and trying to disturb stuff. He doesn't really spark plug do much either. Over every five steps. Yeah, and that's – I mean, we can get into that. Like, that's just kind of how he skates. Falling over is just kind of how he skates. But, like, I mean, I, I get that he doesn't have Crosby on his wings or anything like that, but he just doesn't do anything. There, there's plenty of players like that. Like, Gergensen's actually made nice moves against the Rangers and stuff like that, but most of the time he's just – He's just head down going to the corners and, and trying to disrupt plays. And, yeah, you need players like that, but you don't need six of them. You know, you don't need Zemgis Geertsons, Johan Larson, uh, Kyle Opozo, Curtis Lazar, uh, Michael Froelich. Those are all guys that, you know, they can chip in once in a while, but a lot of them are just kind of getting into the corners, bogging down the time, and, and basically just filling time for when Jack Eichel comes back out on the ice. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. That's kind of how I look at these role players. And, like, I understand and they're, they're NHL players. They're, you know, they're playing in the highest league, and they're incredible athletes. But, I mean, at this point, what are we doing? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing that they really do. Like, they're, they're occasionally there for a couple games. Jimmy Vesey will score, like, three goals in, in three games, and he's gone for another half a season. Like, the, these are, the Sabres are just filled with guys that just kind of skate up and down the ice and – they're trying, but it's just it's not nearly good enough. No, sir. Could not have said it better myself. Well, Billy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, be sure to check him out on Twitter at BillTCB. Billy is a writer for the Charging Buffalo. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Hopefully, you know, we'd love to have you back on again sometime. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get you here in person from Rochester and do an in-person show together. Yeah, it'll be awesome. You know, thanks for, for letting me come on and, and rant and take over your, your airways here. But, um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, for the people watching or watching, listening, um, you know, follow uh, the Charging Buffalo. Follow these guys, Taylor and Brendan. These guys are, are awesome guys. I, I, I love talking to you guys. So anytime you want me on, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely have time for you. Well, this will be certainly the, the first of many more to come then. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. All right. Well, once again, that was Billy from the Charging Buffalo. Be sure to go check him out on Twitter and check out the Charging Buffalo as well. This is Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As you guys know, there's no other sport like hockey. From the fast tempo to the fights to the highlight reel plays, and there's no better way to make it more exciting than betting on it. By understanding the details of each team and game, you can turn that knowledge into cash with MyBookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie is the best payouts and better odds than any other sportsbook. And we wouldn't be telling you this if they weren't the best. You can risk a little or a lot in as many games as you want. So there are daily gifts, there's free plays, there's free spins, and more. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $100, you receive an extra $50 in free money to play with because math. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. Yeah, you get it. So just use the promo code THPN to activate the offer and take advantage of this. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Now we're going to switch gears here and play the audio from a recent conversation we had with our pal, uh, the Shoot Once podcast, which is the Columbus Blue Jackets podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network. So without further ado, 
Welcome everyone to the Shoot Once podcast. Uh, Brennan and Taylor from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. Uh, we're going to have some some fun conversation about the Buffalo Sabres. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, hey. thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right. Um, so from the perspective of guys who watch all the Sabres games, you're you're seeing every game, watching all the players, reading all the stories. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been a rough go recently. Like a, from a big picture perspective, where do you guys see this team right now? Well, that's that's such a loaded question. <laughs> so when when the season started off, of course, um, the Sabers were at the top of league standings. We got off to a great start, really exceeding expectations. Um, all of us, you know, Sabers fans anticipated that obviously there would be a fall from that. Um, just because coming into the season, the outlook was really going to be. You know, optimistically speaking, you're going to be in the hunt for a wild card spot, um, playing meaningful games in March. Uh, and just the, the wheels have come off since then. Um, you know, Jason Botterill coming into this year really needed to make some some big moves, to be honest, to kind of change the course of of what this season was going to be compared to last. Um, uh, one of the big issues on our end is that he just chose to brought back a lot of the majority of the team from last year. Um, he made, you know, a handful of additions without really making any significant subtractions at all. Um, you know, we have, we brought in Henry Yoki Haru, who has been for Alex Nylander in that deal with Chicago. He has been excellent for us thus far. Um, one of the few bright spots of this season, uh, another one of the offseason pickups, Colin Miller, um, for whatever reason, he was getting healthy scratched a little bit, you know, through December and January, but as of late has seemingly turned into the player who the Sabres thought they were acquiring when they made that deal with Vegas. Um, you know, otherwise, I mean, you really didn't do anything to further address goaltending, uh, Linus Allmark really kind of took the reins of the starting job um, as the season went on, and Carter Hutton has just been just god awful as of late. Um, he went off to a great start this, got off to a great start this season. I believe he started off like six and zero, and then proceeded to lose his next uh, ten plus starts after that. Um, abysmal save percentage, abysmal goals against. Then, I mean, at, at least for bright spots, um, you know, I, I, for us, it's been such a treat seeing Jack Eichel, you know, really just take off this year. Um, you know, the first four seasons of his career, he was, um, you know, definitely what we were expecting we were getting when we had tanked and when we, you know, had made that draft pick and we had, of course, lost the draft lottery to Edmonton. But, you know, at the end of the day, we knew going into that, that Jack Eichel was at least going to be what we were going to get at a bare minimum. And he has just taken it to another level this season. Um, you, you know, if the Sabres were even somewhat in playoff contention right now, he would be in the Hart Trophy conversation just because of how good he's been and the way that he's able to just take over games and be a difference maker. Um, otherwise, Sam Reinhardt, who I know we're going to be talking about here, um, is has been a, a cornerstone piece for the Sabres. Um, he's again trending towards another 70-point season and is, is looking really good playing on Jack's wing. Um, ideally, you know, we want him separated because he's shown when, when given the opportunity that he can drive his own line. But uh, Ralph Kruger, our, our new coach this season, has, has seemingly decided that he wants to keep those two together. Um, otherwise, I mean, outside of those two and, and Rasmus Dahlin kind of getting his game back on after a slow start to the season, um, there has been 
not a whole lot of bright spots. Taylor, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, uh, the real big the big picture thing to me is since their 9-2-1 and one start, they've been worse than everyone except, I think, Detroit and New Jersey. They have a mediocre prospect pool. It's unclear how good their last year's, uh, I think, sixth overall pick, Dylan Cousins, will be. It's unclear uh, what kind of draft pick they'll have this year. Cousins has looked good for the record. True. He's in like the top, I think he's in like the top True. three in scoring in the WHL and has just been lighting it up. So definitely True. a lot of eggs in the basket with him, but outside of him, it, really it's, it's Yeah, uh, goaltending is a huge question mark. And yeah, things are bad. That's the more concise version is that there's not that much hope and it's very unclear what the, if they're going to keep their GM or what, what the future is with that or, or how they're even going to approach the offseason. It's all kind of up in the air and I would say it's trending bad. Very almost, bad. Almost every direction. As of late, Sabres Twitter has just been pretty much on fire, and it has just been—it's gotten pretty ugly here. People are really up in arms towards it more than anything else. Ownership and, and the general manager for just the lack of moves. Um, there have been a good amount of rumors going around about moves that could have been made or should have been made that weren't made, um, and whether those those moves remain to be true or not, you know, we'll, we'll see. But it's it's pretty disappointing knowing the potential of what could have happened, you know, coming into this year. Now, from from the perspective of Sabres fans, it, I mean, it, it. I remember a few weeks back, uh, the G, the GM of the Oilers, they asked him about is the you know the Oilers trying to contend and whatnot, and he said every year you have Connor McDavid, you're going to try and contend. Is that kind of where that disappointment comes from, from Sabres fans, that you've got Jack Eichel, you've got that that franchise centerpiece player that everybody's always hoping to get, and just nothing's happened with it? Yeah, uh, what are, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's year five for him now, and he's reached uh, definitely his prime. And like Brennan said, he he's one of the better forwards in the league now. And yeah, they don't seem that close to contending. It, it seems like a huge waste. It's And it's only year, I think it's year two of yep. his eight-year contract. But I if it keeps going like this, it's tough to see him playing out that whole contract. Uh, one of the things is it's not that they're not competing. It's like they, these two years, it seems like they kind of were okay with not competing. We're okay with kind of wasting these years. It's in this not prime. being good enough. They didn't, they didn't seem interested in like, okay, we got to make the playoffs uh, the way Edmonton has kind of approached things. And obviously you can, you can make mistakes. You can, you can sign guys. You shouldn't, you can have gambles that don't pay off, but it's it's disappoint it's more disappointing than any of that to have a GM who seems like eh, we're really going for 2020 2021 when we have more cap space. It's that's that that's where that you're you're right. That's really where the disappointment stems from. It's it's how little they seem to be interested in competing these past two seasons. And right now the Sabers are on the cusp of missing the postseason for the ninth consecutive year. And something that we've been really talking about lately uh, on on our show is the fact that that has only happened three other times in NHL history yeah like three times this has happened and you are about to I mean you have been but you're about to cement yourself with just one of the most mediocre you know 10-year periods of hockey uh in the history of the NHL I mean it's terrible you're in a league where over half the teams make the playoffs in your conference half the teams make it you can't even be average like once in nine years to just kind of like stumble your way in there so it's incredibly frustrating I mean you know and that's kind of the thing looking at the big picture the offseason that's coming up is arguably the most important offseason that the Sabres have had 
in recent history. You know, you have Sam Reinhardt. His bridge deal is going to be up. He's going to be looking. I mean, hopefully we will be getting a long-term deal with him. Um, Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yokiharu are both eligible for extensions. Um, and Dahlin especially, you absolutely – one million percent need to lock up, lock up long term. Um, you have a lot of guys coming off the books right now. You know, uh, the Zach Bogosians of the world who just have awful contracts. I mean, we're we're gonna have a ton of cap space coming up. And and the thing is, is that the general consensus I think among uh, the majority of Sabres fans is that we don't know if Jason Botterill is up for the job, considering everything that's at stake. You know, this offseason is really going to set the course for what this team is going to be for the next five to ten years. And there's a lot of doubt right now in Buffalo that Jason Botterill has what it takes to be able to, you know, fully maximize what like he's going to have for his hand in the upcoming offseason. Yeah, and, and something that I guess I didn't realize about the Sabres till I started looking into it further, looking at their looking at their page on Cap Friendly. I mean, as far as who's signed, there's only three forwards signed for next season that are currently on the roster from what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, other than Kyle Ocposo who's injured right now. But it just, I mean, it really, you're like you're saying, this franchise can really remake its forward core in the offseason. But, I mean, cap space, if there's not free agents out there you want to go get, I'm not sure how much use it is. Well, the, the problem, too, is that, I mean, why couldn't that have happened this season, you know? I, I guess to me, if, if your mindset is, you know, we're going to punt on this season because we want to wait till next year, so we're going to be okay with just being mediocre again, you know, you probably shouldn't be an NHL general manager. Um, one thing that we really discuss a, a good amount on our show is just the fact of how popular hockey is here in the market. You know, it, it, when you get into the playoffs, you know, the, the past several years, you know, and it's going to probably happen again this year where Buffalo is always a top five, top three market. And in a lot of cases, you know, Buffalo is having better viewership than team cities who are actually playing in the playoffs. Um, you know, we're clamoring for, for a good hockey team. We're finally trying to have the bills on the right track. And, you know, it's going on nine years of just no playoffs for the Sabres. It's pretty demoralizing. Um, but to your point though, about the upcoming season, yeah, I'm, I'm the off season. I mean, it's great. I guess that we're, we're going to have so much flexibility, but again, it comes down to, you know, does this front office, you know, have what it takes to properly evaluate talent? You know, did you really think that you were going to bring in Jimmy VC and Marcus Johansson and that they were going to just figure out our, our problems with scoring? I mean, no, you, you can't think that. And if that's the case, then that's just further evidence that, you know, the, that Jason Botterill is not really cut out for this. Um, but I mean, you know, you do have pieces in place though. Like that's kind of the thing is that, you know, while the prospects uh, cupboard is, is pretty bare right now, the core of this team are all guys who are, you know, 24 and under with the exception of maybe Jeff Skinner, who's only 27, you know, you have Eichel, Reinhardt, Yoki Haru, uh, Darlene, Brandon Montour, Victor Olofsson, who's been amazing this year, but is unfortunately hurt right now. You know, you have pieces there in place where you could be a competitive team. You should be a competitive team. You have young top end talent. 
And, you know, it's just the problem is that they haven't been able to fill out the rest of the roster and the prospect cup board, with the exception of Dylan Cousins and then in goal, Uko Pekalukanen, who's arguably, you know, one of the best goaltending prospects outside of the NHL right now. Beyond that, you don't really have a whole lot to work with. So, it, I mean, obviously it's never a good thing relying on free agency. Um, there are certainly a few guys who, at least for, for me, you know, that I've looked into that I think would be interesting additions to the roster. But, I mean, just a lot of work has to be done. Um, this, you know, this core should not be a team. It should not be one that is just never making the playoffs because for how good Jack Eichel has been this year, it would be scary to think about what he would do in the playoffs and in big games like that. So, you know, definitely frustrating times in, in Saberland. It's been a, it's been a tough decade. No, I, yeah. I mean, I can understand that frustration with, with, you know, where Jack Eichel's at and, and not, just not really seeming to get to the use out of him and, and getting to make runs like you were expecting. Cause you guys, I mean, you went through the tank to get, you know, that number one pick in the Eichel McDavid draft. And, you know, obviously you got Eichel, which is a great consolation prize, but to have that, I mean, that's been a few years and now to still not be what it feels like any closer. It's, yeah. The tank yeah. is the only thing that this organization has done right in the past 10 years, honestly. Like, the tank worked, and it was great. And then just the rebuild that was supposed to happen after that just completely fall, fell through. And a big problem for that is the fact that, you know, uh, the, ownership, or the, the front office hasn't been able to make good hockey trades. You know, Columbus, I mean, you guys are the poster child for, for that with the Johansson for Seth Jones trade. I mean, that obviously has, has worked out pretty well on both ends. I, I would probably, you know, lean more towards you guys considering what Seth Jones has turned into. But um, that's the thing. I mean, you know, Jason Botterill botched the Ryan O'Reilly trade. We, you know, you have a Selkie winning, uh, Con Smythe winning two-way forward that you pretty much just gave up for nothing and that move alone you know has set the franchise back quite a bit and is most definitely the worst trade that has happened in recent memory if not potentially you know it's definitely I would say probably a top five worst trade in franchise history so you haven't been able to do that um, you know, you have Rasmus Sustelainen, who has been kind of at the center of trade talks for a very, very long time here, the past couple of years. And that, for whatever reason, has not happened yet. Um, so it, it's, you know, they just haven't been able to get it done and, and make this team at least somewhat competitive, you know. So from from your guys' perspective, I mean, as far as what what position a need or what what is it you think this team needs as kind of that number one thing to start trying to turn things around. Scoring, definitely. That's it. That's yeah. all we've needed for the past nine years, and they just refuse to address it. Yeah, it's – so the way we've kind of looked at things uh, with the Sabres this year, they have no goaltending, which is a huge problem, like, obviously as well. But I think that's a problem that could be solved in the offseason, not easily, but if you just sign or trade for a decent goalie and, and give it a shot, or someone maybe who hasn't gotten a shot yet and give them a shot. Scoring's a little tougher. Uh they their underlying numbers aren't terrible and they also they kind of I would say they defend well not just with the defensive core but with the entire team kind of defends well and plays well in its own zone doesn't allow too many high danger shots but those high danger shots go in at uh, incredibly high rate because of our because of Carter Hutton basically uh, but they have no scoring punch uh, that's that's been a huge problem uh, Eichel Obviously, he's been able to score. Reinhardt, too. Olafson, when he was healthy, was scoring. And Skinner, 
for the first half of the year, and he's in the, right now in the midst of a 17-game goalish drought. But beyond that, it's just they have a, a ton of guys who are perfectly fine NHLers, play well in their own zone, but have no touch, really. They're mostly you know, they're real bottom six guys or fourth liners. They have a ton of them. That's Curtis Lazar, Rasmus Asplund, Johan Larson, Kyle Oposo in his later stages. Um, Zemgus Gergensen's, Michael Froelich now. They just have a ton of those guys. So to have at least one or two more guys that can real, reliably put the puck in the net 20 or more times a year is something they're, they're greatly missing, especially with this uh, scoring uptick the NHL has been on for the last three years. Okay, so a uh, <laughs> little peek behind the curtain for our listeners here because the more we're talking, the more I'm thinking my original reason for setting this up with you guys may not, may not work at all. <laughs> because the because <laughs> I it, it, in Columbus, even though things are in a different perspective as far as where we're at, because the franchise is in a pretty good shape in a lot of ways, our main desire is the same thing. We don't get the scoring we need. Um, if if you've been following, you know, Jackets hockey at all in the last few weeks, mm-hmm. you've been hearing this the great story about Elvis Morris Lincoln's and the shutouts he's been getting. Amazing, yes. honestly, with Corpy Salo going down after how well he was playing too. It's crazy. Yeah, and and where the franchise has built itself well and where Yarmo Kekalainen's just underrated is. So he's brought both these goalies in, but at the same time, we have a defense that doesn't allow a lot of great scoring chances. So when you have that and then good goalies behind it, you have, you know, you keep scores low. Um, but looking at the Blue Jackets roster, it is a lot of players who either have underperformed this season when it comes to scoring or just a lack of, I mean, you know, high-end guys like what you're talking about, Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. Uh, when I talk on our show about the Blue Jackets and our, our scoring ability, there's a lot of, we've got so many young guys, will one of them develop into one of those top-end, high-end guys? So, I, you know, the, the more I think about it, it's, when we were setting this up, I was thinking, okay, well, we, you know, maybe we'd try and trade this guy or maybe we'd try and help them shore up their defense because that's where Columbus has a, a just a, a ton of riches is in their defensive core. But from what you guys are saying, that's not what you're even – that's not even what Buffalo's ever looking for at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> as far as, like, the Sabres go, you know, I would say that a decent chunk of, like, the core moving forward is is – I would probably assume to be set. I mean, you have Darlene, you have Henry Yokiharu, Brandon Montour, <clears throat> Colin Miller. You know, those are are probably going to be like the top four guys. Also, Lawrence Pilot. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I would agree though, because I, I mean, I follow the, the the Blue Jackets a good amount, and I know that you guys, like you said, you have a wealth of defensemen, and that's even without somebody like, for example, like Ryan Murray, who I know he's very injury prone, but when he plays, I mean, he's been great for you guys too, and so. It also helps that you probably have, you know, like the best defensive pairing in the league with uh, Zach Warinsky and, and Seth Jones. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to your point, really, like, scoring is what it comes down to. And if there's a move to be made, you know, that's why I said, like, Rasmus Ristolainen has kind of been <clears throat> the centerpiece for what's supposed to be a, a big trade that was supposed to happen this past off season. It's supposed to happen during this season, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, to move him out for, you know – what you would assume to be probably a pretty solid forward um, in return. That's why I brought up like that Seth Jones for, for Ryan Johansson trade. 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say from that perspective, I know when we had originally talked about this, you know, we had, we had thrown out around the idea of Sam Reinhardt. Um, and for one, I think both Taylor and I are, are huge fans of Sam Reinhardt. I mean, he is a legit top line forward, like consistent 70 point guy with a solid two way game. Um, he has elite vision, like some of the, arguably the best vision on the team. Um, you know, his ability, like his hockey sense in, in general is just off the charts. And so, you know, when you talk about a guy like that, the return would be really high. I mean, I'm sure you would probably like scoff at this, but when you had brought up Sam Reinhart and knowing like what Columbus has, you know, in the organization and in the pipeline, um, I mean, my immediate thought was like, all right, if you want Sam Reinhart, then like give us Zach Warinsky back or something. Cause it, it would be a very, very high price, I think. Yeah, I mean it's he's a high player, and it's it's funny because that was the name that was thrown out over the over the uh, summer when um well it wasn't during the summer it was like last year when uh, there was the the Maple Leafs were having their deal with uh, I can't remember his name now off the top of my head uh, the guy there that they're always trying to trade um, who the Maple Leafs are trying to trade oh yeah. William Nylander the way the way he's always talked about in the media and stuff and I mean it's not that the Maple Leafs actually want to trade him but they always talk about it. And people were floating around the idea of Warinsky for Nylander. And, you know, every market we tends don't. to overvalue their own guys. But it just – I mean, he is that kind of that top-end defenseman. But it's – yeah, I'm not – I mean, I don't know if the Blue Jackets had ever before that. But it, it seems like where these two teams are kind of the inverse of each other a little bit is in that forward core. Because when I look at the Blue Jackets, it's something where, you know, second, third, fourth liners, it feels like, yeah, we're great. But we just don't seem to have that – top-end, high-end guys in the same way. To play with, like, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, maybe... it's tough with losing Panarin especially, like, I, I can imagine, you know. And and that's kind of the thing. We're, I guess, a little bit... In the, yeah, like you said, like, the inverse of that. I mean, we have Jack Eichel. We have Sam Reinhart and Victor Olofsson. Like, that was our top line that was doing very well. You know, Jeff Skinner played on Eichel's wing last year and scored 40 goals. You know, we're good there. We just do not have a legitimate second line center. We don't have a second line right winger. Uh, and it's, you know, our, our bottom nine forwards are just guys that are seemingly either, you know, fringe third liners or pretty solidly fourth liners. Whereas with you, like you said, I mean, you have, you know, like Oliver Bjorkstrand, I feel like is a perfect example of that. Like he has been lighting it up this year. Um, and he's like a, a perfect example of like, kind of like a middle six guy who, you know, at least in my mind is, is the kind of guy you need on, on a successful team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it is a little bit of that, you know, every time you hear how good uh, Panarin's doing, it's almost a little twist of the knife. Cause I, I look at where this team's at right now. And I think if, if Artemi Panarin was still on this team, how much better and how dangerous would they be? Ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. I, yeah. It's one of the things on our show that's kind of been hitting over and over again, where it's like, you know, if, Man, this team would have been real dangerous for years to come if he'd signed that eight-year deal they were offering him. So, how yeah, do you feel I, about Nyquist? I know he was like the big forward acquisition. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you guys feel about how he's performed this year? Uh, I I we love him. Um, I, this is this has turned out the way we kind of thought it would, where it was somebody who's going to be. I mean, he's not going to score tons of goals again. He's not going to be a, a seventy-point guy or anything crazy, but he's just gonna give you great minutes. He's going to create offense as far as that goes. Um, he oddly enough feels a weird hole. The blue jackets have, have had for years, which is 
for a long time, the Blue Jackets have not been able to score empty net goals. I, I, it's a weird thing to say, <laughs> but when you're, you know, when you're up by one and you're trying to hold a lead for the last minute or two and there's, they got a sixth guy on the ice, for the last couple of years, the Blue Jackets had to fight to that last second. But Gustav Nyquist has got like five empty netters this year. Just, you know, that kind of thing where you, you close it out. And he's been a really good playmaker on this team. I've, I've enjoyed having him. Um, it's kind of the year before that, we signed Riley Nash to a deal. After he had some big, it was like 20-goal season in Boston or something. And mm-hmm. we kind of thought we were getting something good there, but that, that deal hasn't turned out to be nearly as good as we thought it was when it was signed. But with Nyquist, we're getting exactly what we thought. We're getting a, a solid playmaking forward that can, you know, score goals when he needs to, but he's, he opens up the ice a lot for a lot of the other players. So I, I, we're pretty happy with him. Never heard of it. <laughs> could, not be familiar, could not be familiar with something like that. <laughs> Wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, it's just a, a – I don't know. It, it, he's been a good, a good addition for this team. And, and I've been, yeah, we've been happy with him here. So we're, yeah, it's just strange that we're kind of in that opposite place of you guys where I'm, I'm hoping that maybe one of our prospects turns into that top end kind of guy. Cause as we learned with our Timmy Panarin, those guys don't grow on trees around here. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, Panarin was probably like on pure skill, the most skilled player to ever be a blue jacket. And it's, it's yeah. trick. It, it's, yeah, it's disheartening when he's gone and then you're like, ah, and then you're just having to grind out all these games. But, but overall the organization has got so much depth that's been built up that this gate team still been able to win a lot of games, even without him or Bobrovsky or Matt Duchesne or any of those guys that left. Right. Question for my fantasy hockey team. Do you think that Corpy Salo is going to take over the starting job when he comes back? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So what I think is going to happen, because uh, this team's in a weird place, because if, if you look at Cap Friendly, both Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Mers Lincolns are RFAs after this year. What I, what my, cause the, so for this organization, answering the question of who's going to be your number one going forward is starting to become a real thing. I would almost expect for you to see almost like a schedule of them going back and forth. Like two games on, two games off. Two games okay. off. Uh, I mean, Jonas Corposalo, he was going to be in the All Star game until he got hurt. Right, right. I mean, it's yeah. it's so weird to think about that. How we went from that to this. Now, if if you put a, if I had to say something today about which one I think the team would go with, I think it'd be Elvis versus Lincoln's. If they had to make the decision tomorrow, and a lot of that is this organization's been high on him for years. Um. To some people, if you don't follow this team closely, it might seem like he just kind of came out of nowhere. No, they have been waiting on this guy to show up. And it was even to the point when Sergei Bobrovsky signed his last contract, Elvis signed a matching one when he was playing in Europe, essentially timing it up so that when Bobrovsky's contract was up, he would then get to make the decision, oh, if Bob's leaving the Blue Jackets, then I'll go over and play. Right, right. I mean, he was that confident that he was going to step in and be the starter. Well, we'll take Corpy Salo if you don't want him. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be something that's going to happen there. And I, it would not shock me to see a trade. Um, I mean, again, it, it's the kind of thing where this team's going to be looking for scoring or, I don't know, any, honestly, any any assets they can move. Or or if there's some kind of three-way deal to be done with getting another team in, that might not be a bad way for it to go. But, but yeah, we would uh, 
I, I can understand wanting to get somebody like that to back it up as a, as a Blue Jackets fan. It's been a long time since I had to watch a team without good goaltending. That's, that's how we were up until Ryan Miller left. We had Miller and Hashik. Well, we had Hashik and Miller back to back. So we were pretty spoiled here for, for a very long time in Buffalo. So we, we can relate to that. <laughs> and now we have Carter Hutton. Oh, how times oh, change. Man, yeah. <laughs> Brutal. No, I, uh, I, 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 See, I feel for you guys, and I feel like I have a strong connection point because I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Oh, oh man. And so I, I know that feeling of just years of things just being like, oh, come on. And then, you know, this coming into this year, there were all these expectations, and then it just – the bottom fell out of it. Right. And it's – I don't know. It's almost – it's kind of feels somewhat similar to you guys right now. Where it's like, okay, we've got some talent. We have some guys we think we can build around, but just – you know, we just fired another GM, fired another coach, getting all new people again, and we'll see what happens. But sounds yeah. like the Bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. honestly, you, you guys are at 17 years now for your drought, right? That's that's the same thing we were at. Um, oh, yeah, and yeah. we in 2017, very uh, that was I would say extremely unexpected. Uh, made the playoffs, so hey, you, you never know. It'd be far less unexpected for you guys to to break your drought in 17 years as well. So I, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing. You know what if. Uh, there was even the possibility if uh, if Miles Garrett doesn't doesn't swing a helmet at someone that they still might have been able to pull it off this year. But yeah, that wasn't yeah. in the cards. So very Man. true, very true. Well, best of luck to you, <laughs> you guys as well. Good luck going forward, and and you know I, I want to see things turned around in Buffalo. I, I, part of me really wants to see you know I want to I want to I want to see Maple Leaf fans stress about Buffalo having to be good. Because my secret, so my, <laughs> what am I? Vice uh, right there. Yeah, angry Maple Leafs fans. Ooh, <laughs> nothing better than that. It's a lot of fun, even though they haven't won anything in a long time. It's just fun seeing that whole area kind of freak out when right. things go wrong or things aren't according to plan. And yeah, yeah honestly, I, I, in the bright spot of this season is the fact that they might not make the playoffs. <laughs> that would be something to see that with that team. Really though, yeah, that would be pretty nuts. And I'm sure the meltdown in Toronto would uh, get probably a little bit crazier than what we're going through right now, knowing, uh, knowing them up there. That would Honestly, be nuts. that would really open the door for a fun panic trade. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. That'd be nuts. If only, if only. Fingers crossed moving yeah, forward. Seriously. Well, thank you guys very much for, for uh, having a chat with me today and, and thank you very much and good luck to the, the Sabres going forward. Hey, thank you. Likewise to you guys. I, I think uh, the Blue Jackets will probably be one of the teams I'm rooting for down the stretch. I'm sure Taylor could say the same. So yes. we'll, uh, we'll be hoping for you guys. Should be a fun fun finish to the season. We'll have to, we'll have to do this again sometime. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. All right, take it easy. Thank you for having us on. Thanks. So, friends, as, as we all know, our uh, sweet boy Jack Eichel recently participated in the NHL All-Star Game. Uh, our affiliate, our uh, sister show, I guess we would call mm-hmm. it, the Blue Notes Pod from the Hockey Podcast Network, run by Tom Franklin. Uh, he, through connections, was able to get to the game and get us some audio of Jack answering some questions, talking about the All-Star Game, talking about Buffalo, and talking about the season. So, here's the clip of what we have. Well, I mean, I, I would... I'll start with their size and their physicality. I think, uh, you know, big defensemen who are physical and can move the puck and can skate, obviously, 
you know, that makes it really hard on opposing teams. It makes it tough to get to the front of the net, and obviously they don't give you a whole lot of room. So I think that's probably the first thing that, you know, really sticks out to me about, uh, you know, their decor and, you know, probably one of the, you know, big reasons why they won last year. And, you know, they all contribute pretty well offensively too, which is, uh, which is important. Yeah, you haven't seemed to have too much trouble scoring against them, though, but they all seem like they're cut out of a same cookie cutter, right? They're yeah. all like 6'4", 6'5". Yeah. yeah, they're all big and, and physical, and, and they all move pretty well, and, you know, they got long sticks, so uh, they definitely don't make it easy at all. And, you know, it's tough to, like I said, it's tough to get to the front of the net, and, um, you know, they're hard in the corners, so uh, it, obviously uh, when, you, when you put those things together, it definitely makes it tough. When you scored on them in Buffalo from behind, were you surprised you were that you had that much space? Yeah, I think uh, they were probably all trying to take the passes away, so they gave me a little little room. They gave the 30 goal score a, a, yeah. a lot of room. <laughs> Is there somebody that you think could be this year's Blues where they like turn it around and? I mean, I don't know if you would have predicted the Blues to do what they did last year. Um, so it's probably pretty tough to predict a team to, to do that this year, but there's always teams that, you know, struggle for a bit and, and then they find their game and, and things just start to click at the right time. So I'm sure there's going to be a team, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I'm sure there's going to be a team that's, that's going to, you know, make a run, and, you know, whether it's into the playoffs or, or deeper into the playoffs or uh, whatever it might be that, that, that people aren't expecting. Do you feel like you guys are kind of making progress yeah I do I think that uh, you know I think we've had uh, I think we've had some lulls at times in our year and we've had some up and downs but you know I, I think when you look at uh, you know where where we are now I think the consistency in our game on a nightly basis is there and, and, and you know at times you know it's an 82 game season you're not going to you're not going to be your best every night I think at times we've we figured out ways to win games when we haven't been good, and I think that that's important. That's a sign of a good team, and um, I think we're starting to figure it out. Obviously, we still have some. Uh, we still have a lot of really young players who are who are starting to figure it out more and more every night, and I think that's important. What's the biggest thing that Ralph brought? Uh, he brought so much. I mean, you know, he's a special human being. He's. Um, He's a privilege to be around every day. The way that he handles his business and the way that he handles our team and he handles everything that he does, it's uh, it's very impressive. And you know his his energy and, and his enthusiasm and, and his his positiveness, it's um, it's very impressive. It's uh, you know for a group like ours who has obviously been through so much the last few years for for him to be as patient with us as he has and. Um, you know, as positive as he has, it's. Uh, I think it's really fed in the locker room. He never carries his emotions from one day to another, and he's such a. He's so good at resetting after maybe a bad day or a bad game, and, and getting us back on track. And I think uh, I think that's been so important for us this year. He's someone. Uh, as far as media is concerned, he's one of the best guys out there. He's just such a pleasure to talk to, and he's such a great guy. Yeah. Have you guys seen that from him? That side of him where he kind of yeah. relays his thoughts yeah. a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, we'll have a bad game or, you know, a bad night and, you know, he won't say anything after the game, but, you know, his message the next day will be, you know, so thorough and, you know, when you're done listening to him talk in the morning, it's like you want to go play the game now for him, so uh, he has that ability to do that and uh, it's, it's really impressive the way that he's, uh, that he's handled everything. 
All right, everybody. Well, that'll just about do it for this Monday's episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. Uh, be sure to check out uh, the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet, along with check them out at their website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Uh, we want to give a huge thank you first again to Billy from the Charging Buffalo for coming on. Be sure to check him out at BillTCB. Also, thank you very much to Frank from uh, the Shoot Ones podcast from the Blue Jackets for uh, that chat. It was a lot of fun there. And another big thank you to Tom Franklin for the audio uh, that he had shared with us from Jack Eichel at the All-Star Game. So we will see you next or talk to you next uh, this coming Thursday for our second episode of the week. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we are going to end things with our random Sabres player of the episode, which we are going to share with you now in three Two, one, Jeff Zach Sanderson. Galvin.